Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Bill Donahue. Bill is president and CEO of the Catholic League for Religious and Civil Rights. He's the publisher of the Catholic Journal. He writes regularly for columns for CNS News and Newsmax. He's the author of 10 books, including the one we're going to talk about today, The War on Virtue and How the Ruling Class is Killing the American Dream. And none of that is an understatement, Bill, is it? No, it isn't. And it's a shame because uh, basically everybody wants the American dream, and many have realized it. But when the ruling class is working against the the upward mobility ladder, particularly for African-Americans, then we have a serious problem. The interesting thing, and, and you pointed out in the book, right, they really do talk out of both sides of their mouth. If you want to know where they stand, all you have to look at is what they're accusing you of, and that's exactly what they're doing. That's true. And by the ruling class, let's be clear, we're talking about the elites, the decision yes. makers in the major institutions in our society. Now, it used to be, not too long ago, that the people who entertained left-wing politics were located in the media, in the entertainment field, in education, in the arts, nonprofit uh, legal groups, and the like, activist groups. Today, it is spread to the healthcare industry, to the Fortune 500, to the top echelons of the military. Now, I'm not saying that every person who works in these areas uh, has adopted left politics, but many of the elites have. And uh, basically what I'm saying in this book is I've looked at the reason as to why people are a success in any field. You could be an athlete. You could be a dentist, a salesman. It doesn't make any difference. There are three virtues that are, that are there in every successful person. You have to have a sense of self-discipline or self-control. You must accept personal responsibility and perseverance. You have to know the grit, what the psychologist called the grit. Uh, to, to, to grit it out. Now, if you have perseverance and personal responsibility and self-control, it doesn't guarantee that you'll be a success. But I can guarantee you one thing. You're not going to make it if, in fact, you don't have those. You could be a golfer. It doesn't make any difference. You have to have personal responsibility, self-discipline, and perseverance. And our elites in our society should be encouraging and nurturing these, what I call the vital virtues. Instead, they're undermining them. A reminder, everybody, a virtue is habitual disposition to do good. So it's not fairy dust, right? It's just not something that comes upon us. It's something that we have to continue to work at. And you're right, right? I mean, the, the elites are really pushing the opposite, which you know everybody knows is a vice. And unfortunately, they, they reward those who do that. I don't know what reward they actually get other than maybe a little bit of monetary stuff. But eventually, they end up eating their own anyway, don't they? They do. And, you know, merit is under attack. Merit is what made this country great. The idea that you could come from nothing, come over here, don't, don't speak the language, and your children learn the language, you give them the vital virtues, they exercise self-discipline, they have perseverance, they do accept responsibility for the behavior, and guess what? In a matter of time, they will grow on the socioeconomic ladder, they'll become middle class, some of them will go beyond that. And, and it's a shame. Uh, everybody wants the American dream. We know what it takes. We know what the tools are. But you have to reward merit. And basically what I'm saying, one of the subtexts of this book is 
Well, let me let me let me get to African Americans in just a second. I looked at the most important demographic groups in this country. Which groups? Which religious and ethnic groups? Racial groups? Are, are the ones who have embodied the vital virtues and who, and who do the best. There are four of them. Asians, Jews, Mormons, and Nigerians. Now, Nigerians and Asians are people of color. So much for the argument that people of color can't succeed. No, that's not the case. The, the four groups I just mentioned come from intact. They, their families are mostly intact families, a biological father and a biological mother. And it's the it, what we'd call the old-fashioned nuclear family, and they succeed that way. But the ruling class is actively working against the nuclear family. How so? $83 billion has been given to Black Lives Matter by the top corporations in the United States of America. They've absconded with the money. They never even registered with the IRS. Forget about that. It's run by Marxists. And they said their goal is to disrupt the Western family. This is being taught now in many of the public schools, not all of them. But they're literally teaching students, we have to destroy the American family. There is no such thing as a gold standard of the father and the mother. Oh, yes, there is, people. And what they're trying to do is say there's a big smorgasbord of different social arrangements out there. Yeah, there are, but they don't all function well. And the, the groups that I've mentioned, the Asians, the Jews, the Nigerians, and the Mormons, they have strong families. They inculcate the vital virtues, which is why they're a success. We need the ruling class to nurture that in all of us instead of undermining it. It's a tremendous attack on the patriarchy, right? I mean, it's an attack on men who see it all the time. I mean, I thought this was an April Fool's joke when I saw Bud Light had a, that trans activist. I don't even can't remember his name on the beer can for crying out loud. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, where it, it just, every time you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Cardinal Dolan about this kind of stuff here. Not too long ago. He's a great guy. Of course, he's the Archbishop of New York. And he said, well, I thought all, what all these people wanted was tolerance. Whatever happened to tolerance? Tolerance means to put up with. It doesn't mean to affirm or to approve. If somebody walks around with an earring in his, in his, in his tongue or, or in, her, in her nose, I, I will tolerate the person. I will put up with it. But don't ask me to approve of it. Don't ask me to affirm it. I don't need to affirm anything. And what's, what's going on here today, you have people who are obviously mentally challenged, who've got some severe issues. Almost all of the transgender people start out as homosexuals. They've been challenged that way. Many of them suffer from autism. It's a terrible situation. And then others that have been indoctrinated. And we have this social contagion where young girls, almost 80% of all the people trying to switch sexes is girls trying to be boys, not the reverse. It started out that way. Boys wanted to be girls. It's gone the other way. And, of course, you can't change your sex. You have, you're either male or you're female. You're XX. XY, I know there's a couple of XXYs. There's no XYZ person, all right? You're either male or you're female. And we need to stop with this madness. We're exploiting kids. It's a matter of child abuse. When I read that eight-year-olds are being subjected to puberty blockers, these kids can't even decide for themselves 
whether they should take aspirin. And the teacher can't give them aspirin in the school. But the teacher can say to the kid, I think maybe you want to think about becoming another sex. Of course, they use the term gender, which sociologically doesn't make any sense. Gender is what are the socially learned roles for boys and girls, for men and women, for males and females. Sex is what nature decides. And your sex, my sex, every person who ever walked the face of the earth, that your sex is determined by your father and your father alone. That's biology 101. Some people don't want to hear it, live in, the, in your own world like an ostrich. People need to grow up. There is such a thing as truth. And Deacon Jeff, this is at the heart of the problem. We live in a postmodern society where the elites deny that there is such a thing as truth. When you have everybody create their own truth, it basically, as we know, creates anarchy. And that's what exactly what we have. And all you have to do is look at the narrative that was pushed out with this terrible Nashville tragedy. And all of a sudden, the media, the, you know, the president's press secretary, everybody's saying, oh, this terrible attract, this terrible attack on the trans community when three little children and three adults in a Christian school are gunned down and they feel sorry for the one who did it. Yeah, well, you know what's amazing? Uh, I put out a statement last Friday, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's a, a congresswoman here in New York. You know, some people think she's a rock star. I think she's a fraud, and I think she's dangerous. She had the nerve to blame heterosexual men, white men, for the problems that the trans people are having with violence. I have a doctorate in sociology. I've taught every grade from the second grade through new, newly minted PhDs from around the world. I did research on finding out who's committing the violence against transgender people. And guess who it is? Other transgender people. In other words, it's an absolute lie. It's a scurrilous slander to blame straight men for what's happening when people in the trans community are beating up on each other. Intimate uh, partner violence, IPV, is, the way, is what they call it. And there's a serious problem there. When, and so to deflect it, and to, and to basically cover it up and then to slander innocent people who have nothing to do with it, uh, th this is just pernicious. I mean, they wouldn't know the truth if it bit them. And, you know, they do nothing but spew lies. And, you know, we just see, as you mentioned before, it's in every aspect of our lives and it's crept into, you know, the Fortune 500, which you thought at some point wouldn't fall to this. But everybody has because they're really, you know, we talk about virtues, right? Where's the virtue of courage? I don't see it. I see people caving to this, even if they don't really agree with it, because they'd rather make money or they don't want to deal with the issue. But the lack of courage in this world and even in the Catholic Church at some levels is really appalling. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Deacon Jeff, because I mention it all the time. Fortitude is one of the four cardinal virtues. And how many times have I said to my staff and I've said it on radio and TV, we have a lot of good people in this country who are in positions of authority, like yourself, like me. We all know this is madness, that a boy can't become a girl, that men can't get pregnant, that you don't get less racism by teaching people that everyone's a racist. We all know this is madness, but people are afraid to speak up. Now, I understand it to some extent. You've got to have a job, and you've got to support your family. You've got a mortgage, kids in school. I'm not expecting everybody to be a culture warrior. However, you just can't be silent all the time forever and expect that things are going to get better. If you know that something is wrong, you can at least gently try to say, excuse me, I don't think that's true. 
I'll give you one small example, which I hope other people would follow. Here about a year ago, I went to see a doctor about something. It wasn't anything big. And I had to fill out some forms. And one of the forms was asking me all these questions. What am I of uh, some other sex? Uh, have I ever been pregnant? They know I'm a man, etc. I took my pen and I put a big X right through it. And I said to the, to the, to the young woman, and the nurses and the assistants, this is a game. And it's a lousy little game, and I'm not going to play it. So you can tell your bosses that if they have a problem, I want them to come and see me right now. They all laughed. They knew it was all crazy. And they said, hey, listen, we, we just got to do it. I said, I know. I'm not blaming you. I said, but uh, this is what you have to do. Because if you just bow to this, this is thought control, people. This is thought control. They want to get inside your head to tell you how to think. This is totalitarian. You know, the old-fashioned dictators like Franco in Spain, they didn't care what you thought. They didn't care what your religion was. They just wanted to make all the political decisions and some of the economic decisions. Otherwise, they wouldn't care. They wanted to leave the country. That was fine. Go wherever you want. The totalitarians in the 20th century, Hitler, Stalin, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot, they care very much about what the way you think. And they care about your religion. And they want to make you walk the walk. We don't need this kind of totalitarianism. It's kind of a soft totalitarianism in the United States. We need to resist. We need to be insubordinate. And we need to be disobedient to those people who are illegitimately telling us that there's no such thing as truth. We know there's something as truth. You're either male or female. You look at the ruling class and the elites. You mentioned racism, right? Yeah, racism, there is racism, but they make it sound like it is the biggest problem in the world and everybody's a racist when actually they are the racist for the way their dialogue, the way they talk. And they really are trying to create, you know, we talk about virtues again, right? Instead of as the Holy Spirit is a unifier, they are doing everything to create conflict and disunity. Well, I have a chapter in The War on Virtue, my new book coming out April 18th, just in a couple of weeks that deals yeah. with this subject uh, with race. And I can tell you right now that when you, when you, when you have organizations from AT&T to Cigna, the insurance company, to Walmart, telling white employees that you're all racist, and if you don't admit to it, then you have a real problem, and that America is a racist country. And then I do an investigation. Well, who's running Walmart? Well, you know what? They're all white people. <laughs> I mean, there was one black guy there, no Asians, no Hispanics. So the ruling class then, if they're saying that the people in power are the ones who created all this racism, that would be them. So why don't they resign summarily, step down now, instead of sitting on their big moral perch, looking down their nose at the rest of it? This is all virtue signaling. Look at me. I'm the, one, I'm the last white guy who's not a racist, but all you other guys are racist. And they teach racism to counter racism. You know, Martin Luther King, he believed that we should judge people based on the content of their character, not on the color of their skin. These people, these whites and these blacks and people of any stripe, I don't care who you are, anybody who accepts critical race theory that we're all racist if you're white, and if you're not white, you can't be a racist, they are spitting on the grave of Martin Luther King. He believed in what he called a promissory note 
We were given the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, two of the most magnificent documents of liberty mankind has ever known. And King loved those documents. All he said is, you guys, you white America, you haven't made good on it yet. We got a ways to go. He didn't condemn all white people the way they're doing in the corporations today. I mean, this is all this is this is this is teaching racism in the name of combating it. This is right out of Saul Alinsky's playbook, right? Create an enemy and go ahead and if you create a war while you're scurrying around the back trying to blow up American society. And people are doing I mean, there is evil intent here, right? This isn't just some by happenstance. These elites really hate America. They hate virtue and they hate Jesus Christ. Well, they certainly do. And they, that's why they, they hate people of faith. You're absolutely right. They have a particular animus against uh, Catholics as well. You talk about blowing things up. I have a chapter in The War on Virtue, uh, it's the last full chapter, on incivility. Why do we have, uh, why, why did our, our, our cities explode in 2020 and 2021? There were some interactions between black men and the cops, which were blown way out of proportion. I detail this with great specificity in the book. And even Keith Ellison, dealing with George Floyd, he said, wait a minute, there's no, there's no evidence here that we're dealing with a hate crime, and racism and whatnot. We, there, there may have been some bad cops with their judgment. So we've got to be careful what we, what we say. Portland, Seattle, New York, I saw it right where I'm, where I'm at in New York City. They destroyed the city. Bill de Blasio let them destroy New York City, Portland and, and, and uh, Seattle. They still haven't come back. And, 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 and the idea of allowing fentanyl, small amounts of fentanyl to be legal in, in places like there in the West Coast, in, in, in Portland, Seattle. What are we doing? Do they really hate America that much? And they know who's, they know who's, who's dying the most. They don't seem to care about that. Uh, no. If you if you have look in any society you've got to have a certain certain modicum of civility. Now you have two choices, all right? Either people police themselves, or the police will do the job for you. The other alternative is anarchy, which is pretty much what we have right now. Uh, it, it, it is astounding to me that all of these George Soros bought and paid for prosecutors in New York, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, all over the country. It's all, they just want to cut them loose. And they say they're doing this because there are too much disparity with blacks. Blacks want cops. Blacks don't want to defund the police. That's the white ruling class which wants to do that. And they're trying to do that in the name of helping black people. Uh, they are the ultimate racist. You also talk about in the book the education system, right? You talk about Randy uh, Weingarten, who's the American Federation of Teachers president or head or whatever. All you have to do is listen to that shrill voice and those idiotic things that she talks about. And we just know that this indoctrination has been happening for a long time, but it's now becoming more and more evident. And we are seeing parents fighting back going at school board meeting. Dick and Jeff, that was one of the good things that came out of the, uh, the pandemic. Uh, COVID-19 was, was horrible and a lot, of, a lot of people misplayed it. But leaving that aside, parents found out, particularly the, mom, the mothers, they found out for the first time what, in fact, was going on at school board meetings and in the school and with the curricula. And they were astounded to see that things were being said to their children without any parent knowing anything about what was going on, that there was a political and sexual agenda in the schools. 
and this has alerted parents. It's gotten them to, to, to confront all of these woke educators, these educrats, and that's one of the best things that's come out of this. And, and uh, certainly uh, people like uh, Glenn Youngkin in, in Virginia, he played this very well because he was running against Terry McAuliffe, who said that the parents should, should not have the right to decide what's going on in the schools. <laughs> so the state should. So the government knows better than the parent what should be going on in the schools. We're not talking about what, what should go on, how to, how to teach algebra here, people. We're talking about character formation. We're talking about how, how are you teaching them about sex education, about American history and the like. And people were astounded to find out just how morally debased the education uh, establishment has become. Well, and all they have to do is open their eyes and see and listen with their ears because it's not hard to find. I mean, people need to remember, though, this has been going on in the education system, this corruption for a long time. I think, you know, in your city of New York, right, read that book, The School of Darkness by Bella Dodd, right, to see how the communists were getting in the education system, right? You got to get to the kids to create the total mess that we're living with today. Yeah, the left has always uh, put, put their uh, their sights on the kids, because if you're going to change society, you got to get to the kids. And, and the two biggest obstacles as institutions to the, the, the agenda of the left are the family and the church, because it's natural for people to have allegiance to their father and mother. It's natural for people to have allegiance to God and, and, and the God that they worship in church. So if they... that those allegiances, that kind of fidelity, makes it more difficult for the government then to just say, look, you have to give all your loyalty and faith to me, not to your God, not to your father and mother. So they tried to smash this. This is not a matter of conjecture, by the way. I, I discussed this in the War on Virtue to some extent, and I'm talking about the Frankfurt School out of the 1940s in Germany, which yep. then made its way over to the United States. That was their purpose, to destroy the family, to destroy the church, all in the name of sexual liberation, and then somehow they'd create this utopian society. It, it, it's, it's all madness. It really is. And you talked about it early on. But, you know, parents, people, they need to stand up for this, right? I mean, in the end, we've elected these knuckleheads and put people in because we have this false compassion for everybody and want to promote every ideological farce that comes along the pipe. We have to defend truth. We have to live lives of virtue. And we have to elect people that do the same thing. And if they don't, you don't vote for them. And, you know, as I've said before, Dick and Jeff, the ruling class, they don't treat blacks the way they treat Asians, Mormons, Nigerians, and, 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 uh, and, and uh, Mormons. Okay, now Nigerians may be black, but they're, we're talking about Nigerians from Nigeria made their way over here. And African-Americans, they don't treat them the same way. In my book, The War and Virtue, I mentioned that the first sociologist, that's what I am, a sociologist, was George Fitzhugh. Back in the 1850s, he said he's on the side of black people and he wants to be, he wants to champion their cause, which is why he said, I am all pro-slavery. Now, listeners might say, wait, did, did I hear that right? How can this guy be in favor of black people and say he, he believes in slavery for black people? Because he said they're fundamentally stupid people and they mm -hmm. can't compete with white people in a market economy. He hated capitalism. And he said blacks were better off because at least they could be taken care of because otherwise they'd be like a bunch of cannibals. That's the way 
the left thought about blacks in the 19th century. And by the way, in the late 19th, early 20th century, Richard Eli, one of the great progressives, he said pretty much the same thing. The Negro needs to be taken care of because he's too dumb to take care of himself. Now, that is racism. Now, do the Fortune 500 people in the schools and whatnot say that today? They don't use that language. But look what they do. They dumb everything down for blacks. They write them checks, reparations, quotas. You can't do this, can't do that. Force the quality. What are they saying? Unless we do it for you, you people are going nowhere because unlike the Asians and the Jews and others, you don't have it within you to exercise the vital virtues. And what's amazing to me is that the ruling class helped to destroy the black family in the 1960s with the welfare dependency. And then they wonder why blacks aren't doing as well when 70 percent of the of, of the black kids born are born out of wedlock. And we didn't have that back in the 1950s, people. Never mind before that. Don't give me this about slavery and discrimination. When slavery and discrimination were at its height, the black family was stronger than what it was in the 1960s. It was the ruling class that undermined the family. They, they don't believe that blacks can exercise the vital virtues of personal responsibility, perseverance, and, 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 and uh, self-control. I taught in Spanish Harlem with black and Puerto Rican kids in the 1970s in a very crime-ridden area. And my black and Puerto Rican kids learned, and they learned well, and they did well. And across the street was a public school. It was so bad with the rapes and gangs, they had to close it down. And when I taught college, I was the faculty advisor to the basketball team. Many of the players were black. And then, I, I, so I, I, I've dealt with African Americans. I know they can learn like everybody else. And it's racist to think otherwise. But the white ruling class has, they will say, oh, no, 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 we, we're against the redneck white supremacists. Let me tell you something. The average black person doesn't have to fear the Klan or the white supremacist redneck. They have to fear the people who say, I'm on your side and I'm making all the decisions. That's the point of the war on virtue. The ruling class is undermining the vital virtues, particularly for minorities. I couldn't have said it any better, and it's exactly true. And so we're down in the last few seconds. How can people find your book, Bill? Well, it'll be released on April the 18th. You can pre-order it now from Amazon or from Sophia Institute Press. Go on online to Sophia, and, you, and, and you'll, you'll get the book as soon as uh, it's published on April the 18th. Keep an eye out on the, the Catholic League website, catholicleague.org, www.catholicleague.org, and we'll keep you up to date. And you'll also see information, it's up there right now, about the movie that we made about how Disney is no longer the family-friendly giant, how it is also joined in with the woke politics undermining America. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.